Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he, and he says, and then we will come. Who's we? Well, God the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. We will come to him and make our home with him. When the Spirit of God comes into your heart, he is indwelling you. You basically have the Godhead in your heart. Every creature's unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. It wasn't immediately apparent how, in his departure, Jesus could manifest himself to his disciples and not to the world at large. Jesus would be revealed to the disciples through love, obedience, and union with the Father. These were not preliminary mystical experiences, but real life lived out in the presence and work of the Holy Spirit. Where love and obedience are shown, the presence of God and of Christ is realized. The Father and the Son together make their home with each of their children. Now here's Pastor Rob with today's lesson. Troubled him. That's pretty troubling. First Samuel 18 verse 12. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. The Spirit of God was no longer upon Saul. And we also saw the Holy Spirit departing from Samson. In Judges 16, it says, The Philistines are upon you, Samson, Delilah said. And so he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before, as at other times, and shake myself free. But notice, this is such a horrible thing. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. He was so used to this, the Spirit of God coming upon him, and he took it for granted. He, he acted like it was his birthright or something that he could somehow just manufacture this himself. And God's going, oh, no. Samson, when you're in the flesh, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. <laughs> I'm not going to come upon you in power unless I've given, I'm doing something for a specific reason. And we see the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And again, this new uh, experience that we have with the Spirit of God in the New Testament. He, first off, he indwells us. And then he tells us, that he will come upon us, just as he did in the, in the Old Testament. But it will be something brand new. We'd have the Spirit in us and then upon us. And the Old Testament prophecies even told us this. It told us in the book of Joel, let me read it to you in chapter 2, verse 28. This is the one that you know very well. In Joel's, in the Old Testament, it says in chapter 2, verse 28, it says, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Obviously, before the New Testament time, before Jesus was born, several hundred years before, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my Spirit. I will pour out my Spirit 
in those days. So even the Old Testament prophesied of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit even after the incident with the Old Testament saints, with Samson and Moses and David, even after that, going forward in time, the Spirit of God would say, there's something else that I'm going to do. And even Isaiah in chapter 44, it says, Yet hear now, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb, who will help you. Notice that. Doesn't that sound familiar when Jesus said, I'll send a helper? Yes. Same kind of language. I will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and for you, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Notice verse 3. For I will pour out on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. God was yet to do it. He was going to do it again. And it would even be more glorious for us because we'd have the Spirit of God indwelling us. And now he's going to be upon us at different times for certain reasons. Again, not for our entertainment, not the kind of stuff you see on television. In fact, I think that's one of the reasons why this is so important that we go through, because the world has uh, they've seen a lot of stuff on television. Of these guys who claim to be uh, touting the Holy Spirit, and you know, uh, these guys will take off their jacket, and they'll look at somebody, and they'll go, pow, and that person will fall down and start to wiggle. Pow! And that person will start, you know, fall down and start to wiggle. They'll take their jacket off and they'll wing it at somebody like they, like they are the originator, like they are the manufacturer of it. And God is not into that. I can tell you that right now. He's not. Because what does it do? It glorifies a man. The man is glorified. And whenever a man or a movement is glorified, it is not the Spirit of God. If Jesus is glorified, It's the Spirit, because that's what he's come to do. And we're going to learn that as we get into the next couple of chapters, that he's come to glorify him. The Spirit of God glorifies Jesus. He doesn't glorify a television evangelist, a podcast. He doesn't do any of that. He anoints, or he he brings glory to Jesus. That's what he does. He doesn't glorify a man or a movement. And then in the New Testament, we see this anticipation of the promise of the Father. Remember, In that upper room, the same day that Jesus was um, resurrected, it tells us in Luke 24, when Jesus appeared to his disciples, and this was at the same time around John 20 that we read, where he breathed upon him, okay? So he breathed upon them, but then he said this in, in verse 46 in Luke, he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. But notice what he said also. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now Jesus has already breathed on them. They've already had the Spirit in them. But now he's telling them of something different. Now wait until the promise of the Father comes upon you. Right? And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And this happened, this event happened probably sometime, days after his resurrection. And it seems to even hint at it might have been the 40th day, the very last day he was on the earth after his crucifixion, that Jesus said this to them. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them 
not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. The passage in Luke that we just read in chapter 24, that was when he said it to them the first time. And now days later, he's telling them again, right before he ascends to heaven on the Mount of Olives, he tells them, remember what I told you? Wait for the promise of the Father. And what is the promise of the Father? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon upon the church. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's what it says there in Acts chapter 1. And so this fulfillment, it would finally come to pass on the day of Pentecost. So Jesus says this to them probably on day 40, and now there's 10 days yet before Pentecost. And then when Pentecost finally came, 50 days after the Passover, what happens that had been prophesied for hundreds of years finally comes to fruition. What Joel, what Isaiah, what Jeremiah and some other prophets have spoken, it finally happens. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, this is Acts chapter 2, where they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a mighty rushing wind that filled the whole house where they were sitting, and then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Filled them with the Spirit, and that's, that's what it was. He empowered them. He gave them power and strength. And that's why people were were wondering, are these people drunk? And and Peter stood up and he gave that great sermon where 3,000 people got saved. He said, no, these aren't people aren't drunk. It's that which was written. We just read that in Joel chapter 2. Peter says, this is a fulfillment of that prophecy. It's a fulfillment of that prophecy. It's happening. (laughs) And why did the Spirit come upon them? To entertain them? No. Gave them boldness. Gave them gifts that they could go out. And what was the purpose of, these, of this anointing, of this, the Spirit coming upon them? That they might share the wonderful works of God. That was it. To share with them the wonderful works of God. It had nothing to do with television. It had nothing to do with them, some preacher being famous for what he does on the pulpit. No, it was all about Christ and what he said that he was going to do. And it was going to glorify Christ. It was going to glorify him. And throughout the church, we don't have time to do this, and I'm just going to go through this quickly. You can take a picture of this. If you, I know that these verses are here, and you might not have time to write them down. Um, thinking about including a PDF document of these on our podcast. So if you subscribe to the Calvary Chapel podcast, um, on, uh, on either Google or on Apple, we'll start including these PDFs so that you can listen to the message again and look at these scriptures and, and, and slow it down, stop the recording, listen to it again, and go look for this stuff yourself. Read it for yourself and, and be encouraged and be able to share that with others because this ministry of the Spirit of God is important. And what happens to you? <laughs> you know, I want to know what happened to me. When God came into my life, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. I don't even know what the, I didn't know anything. And God had already done this. He's like, Rob, I'm not concerned about what you know or what you don't know. I'm just going to do it, and you'll pick up, you'll find out what happened later. And I'm so glad he didn't wait for me to go through the Bible and look and say, okay, right now the Spirit of God has been walking alongside of me, and now he's in me. I get that, but he's going to come upon me, and he's like, don't worry about it. I'm just going to do it. You just be a willing vessel. You just be a willing vessel and I'll take care of the rest. But it's good to know what's happened. 
isn't it? Isn't it good to know what has happened to you and what can happen to you and, and when the Lord uses you and he comes upon you in power? Again, for others' sake, to reach others, to glorify Jesus. That's why he does it. It's not about entertainment. And so these are scriptures where, uh, in the book of Acts, where the Spirit of God came upon the disciples, even Peter a second time, and other times. He came upon Stephen. He came upon Saul. And it's wonderful. And so receiving the indwelling of the Spirit is something you can receive immediately by faith. And the filling or the baptism of the Spirit can occur at the time of conversion or it can happen at a separate time. And being filled with the Spirit can happen at any time and many times throughout your life. Remember, one baptism, many fillings. One baptism, many fillings. When you're baptized with the Spirit of God, one baptism, but there are many fillings, and God will fill you as he sees fit. But notice in verse 18, back in our text, he says, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. And certainly Jesus came to them after his crucifixion. Uh, The third day he rose, that very night he came to them in the upper room. In fact, there would be other times in that 40-day period where he was upon the earth that he would appear to his disciples, encouraging them. And we saw one in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. We saw when he told them again, you know, before he ascended into heaven on that 40th day, he told them, wait for the promise of the Father, guys. It's coming. Not many days from here. Literally 10 days from now, guys, it's going to happen on the day of Pentecost. And certainly Jesus is going to come for us at the rapture of the church. We will meet him in the air. And notice in verse 19, a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you see me because I live, you also will live. And at that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. Notice the unity that God desires to have with you, the unity of God. You know, in the world, there is nothing but chaos and disunity, but in the Christian church, if we're walking in the Spirit, we are going to have a unity. Where else can we have so many people of different backgrounds, different races, all believing in Him, in Jesus, and we can get along sometimes? (laughs) Sometimes, right? We, We can get along really good sometimes when we are walking in the Spirit. When we are self-focused, self-absorbed, self-centered, struggling with sin, there's not going to be so much unity. But when we are surrendered, let me tell you, that's a beautiful thing. When a church, and and, and we, we experience that here, and I love that. Unity, real unity, in spite of all the stuff that's going on. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter your demographics. It doesn't matter your social status, how much money or money you don't have. It has nothing to do with whether you're Republican or Democrat or Independent or a Martian. It doesn't matter. You are a Christ one. You're a Christian. And let Christ govern your entire being And let the Holy Spirit have complete reign. May each of us be a conduit of God without any interference. You know, when you look at a lamp, you know, like a a, a lamp that has a wick in it and it, 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 you know, the gas or the oil in the bottom and an oil lamp, when that glass is clear, you can see right through it. But you know what? When we introduce sin, when we are not submitted to Christ, that lens, that glass becomes dirty and you can't see through it. See, God wants to see right through you. He wants to use you. He wants to work through you 
so that he can be glorified. And you know what? There's nothing greater. Is there anything greater than knowing that you've been used by God? There is no greater feeling that I have in this world than when I know that God has done something through me. And a lot of times it happens without even me even knowing about it, and I hear about it later. There's nothing greater than to be used by God, than to have the Spirit of God do something to help somebody else, to really minister to somebody else. There's no greater feeling than that. There's no greater feeling than to know that God is pleased with you. I mean, when you rest your head on the pillow at night, isn't that great? When you know you've done his will that day, he gives his beloved sleep. When you're walking with him, but if your life is filled with sin and unrepentant sin, your life's not going to be so kind. It's going to be bumpy. And why? Is it God's fault? No, it's all your fault. It is all your fault. It's all my fault. When I continue in my rebellion, when I continue in my sin, my life's going to be a mess. And you know what? Sometimes your life's even a mess when you're submitted to God, but it's a different kind of mess. There's self-inflicted mess, and then there's mess that just comes from attack from the enemy. And there's a difference. Because all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Your family may not like you. Your people at work may not like you. But you know that you're right with God. And, but, you know, when you've done something wrong, you're getting busted for it. That's all on you. <laughs> right? That's all on us. And so let the, land, let the lens be nice and clear. And how do you do that? You be honest with God. You spend time in his word. You read and you listen and you obey. Don't just listen and then do nothing. No, it has to, you have to listen and then we have to obey. It, it, there's no way around it. We can't just take it in. If it stays up here and doesn't make the extra 18 inches down to this heart of mine and, and provoke me to do something, my faith ought to produce something. If I say I have faith, didn't James say this? If I say I have faith you know, without works, then my faith is pretty empty. But because of my faith, because of my faith, there ought to be something that comes through. It's not my faith, or it's not my works that save me, it's my faith, but there ought to be something happening. If I really believe what Jesus says and everything that he says in his word, it ought to produce something, and it ought to change the way I do things. It ought to change my life, the way I think, the things I do, right? Am I, is that true? It's so important. So, Jesus said in verse 21, he says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Notice the difference there. If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. People prove that they hate God by not doing his commandments. Now, don't get me wrong. Each one of us, even as believers, we can do things wrong, and we confess them, and we're restored, right? But there's a world out there that continues in their rebellion and in their sin, and, and, and this is not true for them. It's not true for them. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father also, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And Judas, not Iscariot, because Judas had already hung himself, right? Or actually not yet, but a different Judas. I said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered, verse 23, and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we, notice the pronoun there. Yes, pronouns are good in the Bible. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he, and he says, and then we will come. Who's we? Well, God the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. We will come to him 
and make our home with him. When the Spirit of God comes into your heart, he is indwelling you. You basically have the Godhead in your heart. Isn't that nice? He says, he's speaking of his Father. Did he not say it? He says, um, Jesus answered and said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, Jesus speaking of himself, and my Father will love him, and then we will come to him and make our home with him. So when you receive the Spirit of God, you've got three other beings, really the Godhead indwelling you. And they're all operating at the same time. They're all unified. So when I go into a diner someplace and I'm by myself, and they say, how many, uh, how, many do you, uh, how many in your party? I'll say four. And bring me a big menu because they're hungry too. And I'm going to eat for them, of course, right? So give me a big stack of pancakes. Make sure you bring the butter, lots of that butter, the warm stuff. You know the stuff in the circle that's nice and warm, and then the syrup just pouring over the top. Are we having bagel or uh, pancakes today or something? Um, but that's the idea. That's the idea. And notice, verse 24, So he who does not love me, and here's the flip side of the coin, he who does not love me does not keep my words. And we see a lot of that, don't we? And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And so Jesus finally said, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. And again, he's preparing them. Guys, I'm not going to be here very much longer. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to go, but I'm going to send another comforter, the Holy Ghost. He's going to comfort you. He's going to be your helper. Because Jesus, while he was on the earth, he could only physically do so many things. I mean, he was there, touching. You know, He was very present in the moment. He was physical. But now he's saying, I can send my Holy Spirit who can do much more, and he's not limited by a body any longer. Do you get the point? So Jesus told them that he would leave. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, verse 26, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Notice that. He's going to lead you into all truth, and he's going to bring to your remembrance all the things that Jesus said to him. Now, we're going to see this over the next several uh, weeks, or next few weeks anyway, as we go through the next two chapters. But what was the purpose of the Holy Spirit given to us in John chapters 14 through 16? As I looked over those chapters, I just made a list of things that the Holy Spirit, his job, if you will, his job description that God has, has given to him. Notice he will... We saw it here in this first verse. Number one, he will teach you all things. He will teach you all things. And he will bring to remembrance all the things that Jesus had spoken. He will testify of Jesus. He'll testify of him. He will convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He will guide you into all truth. He won't guide you into a lie. He's going to guide you into all truth. And you know what? I believe it's even more than just the word of God that he's going to guide us into, which is the truth. He's certainly going to guide us in the truth. But I also believe that God, because he doesn't want us to be deceived, he's going to open our eyes to things that the rest of the world is completely deceived by. And he's going to go, and it's going to open our eyes, and we're going to be like, Oh my gosh, it's so plain. Why can't you see it? Why can't you see what's happening? Anybody can see what's happening today? It's very clear to me. I don't know about you, but for those who don't know, they better open their eyes. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.